Hey everybody, St. Paul here. Welcome to episode 48 of Music on the Run. I'm in Chama, New Mexico, on a little retreat. Check it out and enjoy episode 48 with Cleto Escobedo. Music on the Run, that's coming up right now. Before we get started here, do me a favor. Wherever you got this podcast, make sure you subscribe, give us a rating, and if you have time and like what you're hearing make sure you write a review. It really helps us get the word out so we can have a lot more people coming to the party. Hey everybody, I'm St. Paul Peterson. Prince gave me that nickname, and I've been lucky enough to tour with people like the Steve Miller Band, Kenny Loggins, Peter Frampton, Donnie Osmond, to name a few. And when I'm not playing music, I love to run. And this is a podcast about how we stay healthy on the road, physically, mentally, and with our families. Welcome to Music on the Run. Hey everybody, St. Paul here. Welcome to episode 48 of Music on the Run. I hope you're all doing great. Uh, I am in South Carolina. I'm recording a band down here. You know, the last time I was down here was three years ago, and I had the opportunity to work with Daryl Hall at this very same studio that I'm at. I'm actually in somebody's office. I've commandeered someone's office. As you can see, if you're watching this, I've got one light on me and uh, I have uh, shadows everywhere, but we don't care because we're going to have a great, great podcast. I'm so excited to introduce my next guest. But before we do that, I also want to share with you something cool about Charleston and my family. My mom and dad got married here before he was shipped off to the war, and I had the opportunity to go and visit that church the last time I was here producing Daryl and talk about, you know, the flood of things that go into your head about that day before, you know, and that's what the soldiers did, the GIs did. They got married before they went off to the war. So, you know, can you imagine what that would be like, and especially for my mom and dad? So this place holds a... A special place in my heart. So it's it's fun to be down here working with these fellas at, at Trufonic. And uh, let's move right into it. I want to say a big thank you to our Patreon members. And if you don't know who that those people are, uh, they actually help us financially put on this podcast. If that's something that you'd like to do, you like what you're hearing, go to patreon.com forward slash music on the run podcast. And you, there's various levels, uh, anywhere from 2 to $10 a month, and it just helps us uh, advertise and gain more followers and pay for things. And, and we'd sure appreciate the people who have come on board. And right now, I want to do a little shout-out to Scotty Cummer. I hope I'm pronouncing your name right. Uh, thank you so much. And Leslie Schaefer for being $10 a month patrons. Again, it's patreon.com, Music on the Run podcast. And we hope that you can uh, join us on that, uh, if you like what you're hearing. All right, let's move on to my guest. My guest uh, today, he grew up in Las Vegas. He's a saxophonist, a singer, a composer, who's toured with Paul Abdul, Mark Anthony, I think, I'm going to ask him about that, and Philip Bailey from Earth, Wind & Fire. His gig for the last good number of years has been the musical director for the Jimmy Kimmel Show. Please welcome Cleto Escobedo. Hi, brother man. How are you? Good. How are you, man? Good to see you. Good, good, good. How many years have you been doing that gig? We're in our 19th season right now. So 18 years, 
18 years in the can. That's unbelievable. We started 2003, yeah. That's unreal. I, I just it, what a great long-standing television gig. I mean, that is so out of the norm, isn't it? It's way out of the norm. I mean, I thought it was going to be, you know, maybe 13 weeks or 18 weeks and we'd be I'd be back on the road, but we've been very very fortunate and uh, you know, NBC stood behind us even when we were having a little trouble in the beginning, but and it's turned into you know, just a beautiful gig, especially as a father not having to go back on the road anymore, you know, for, oh, you know, yeah. for a while. Absolutely. But um, yeah, we're very fortunate. We're all very happy that we've been able to have that gig for that long and yeah. still having fun. Well, that's the important part. Now, I, I want to ask you a, a clerical thing. Now, I, I may have announced you as Cleto Escobedo, but you are you junior or the third? Or I'm actually the third. My dad's junior and my grandpa God. was senior. God. Yeah, so technically I'm the third. I mean, around work, he, he's in the band too, so... They just call me junior instead of, you know, make it easier. There you go. They call you junior? Well, uh, well, when I was a kid, uh, like Jimmy still calls me junior because when we were growing up, uh, that's what my name was on the block, you know? So Is that right? Uh-huh. And then at school, then, then he'd switch to Cleto, you know, because I was oh, too cool to be junior. Of course. <laughs> of course. So you and I, just to tell uh, my listeners, you and I have mm-hmm. a history that goes back quite a few years, and we we just recently kind of rekindled our friendship. You and I did a gig together, and it was a TV gig. Do you remember that? Yeah, it was. Uh, um, oh my god, um, comedian Wayne Brady. What the Wayne you, Brady variety show? I couldn't show. think of it either. <laughs> <laughs> For a minute, I'm looking at his face, and I'm going, "Oh shit!" Um, oh yeah, with Peter Michael, he was the Peter Michael Escobedo. He was the uh, MD, and right, a few of us. I yeah, totally I think, remember that. I, I remember walking in with the wrong instrument. Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought I was playing bass on it. And he's like, no, bro. I got you on keyboards for this. I'm like, okay. Oh, that's fine. <laughs> so, the, okay, it's Peter Michael Escovito is not yeah. related to your family, right? Well, Sheila and I have had this conversation because they used to spell their name a couple generations ago with a B. And a lot of their family is from Texas or came through Texas or something. I forgot what the, the, the exact story is, but we somehow think we might be related and we kind of have some same features and, you know, she, she calls me cuz. So <laughs> there, that, there could be a connection, but they did sp- go from B to V. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I love those guys. What an incredible family. Oh, they too. Are too. They're such a great family. Yeah. You I've known up, them for quite a while. You grew up in Vegas, right? Yes, sir. Did and tell me about your family because I know you. You just shared with us that your your pops is musical, but tell us about the rest of your family. Are they musical as well? well I had my dad comes from San Antonio, Texas. My whole family's there. My his younger brother was in a very uh, influential Tejano band called the Latin Breed. He was also a sax player. Uh, they're the only two that actually did it for like a living. In uh, my my dad accredits my uh, my uncle Felix, who just passed away last week, um, for so giving him like that. his music, his musical like you know they sit around the fires and you know sing songs and my dad would play along and they sing old Spanish songs and stuff and um, so that's where my dad felt like he got the bug and then uh, he joined a band called the Dell Kings and then rolled yeah. to Vegas and rolled to Vegas and, uh, and that was like sixty five and then. You know, that's I was born in '66, so 
Aha. He was, didn't he tour also with uh, the Righteous Brothers? No, he had a couple of friends. With the, they would open for certain acts, but the, the Dell Kings turned into Los Blues. Okay. And they had a very long-standing gig at the Sahara uh, Hotel in Vegas. So they were the, stayed there for a while. But, uh, yeah, they had a really long run, and, and they were like the only game in town um, after the shows. So their first show started at like 2.30 in the morning. Oh. And the, sec- the second one was 4.30. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, but it, it, it was tough, but not really, because like, all the entertainers would get off their gigs and come see, see that, their band. Uh, like Elvis, Sammy Davis, Frank Sinatra, Johnny Carson, like they would all go and, and party there because that was like the only band that was playing. And they had a little like review kind of show. First, they they would play. Wait, I think they would play first, and then they had like dancers and some other stuff. So it was more of a little show. But so they did that for a long time, and then they made a record. If I should send it to you, I think you dig it. Um, and then they lost the Sahara gig and went on the road and uh, did that for a few years, and then. Uh, to, for my dad, my dad quit. So he, cause he was sick of me crying and my mom and my mom and I crying <laughs> every yeah. time he'd leave to go on the road when we couldn't go with him anymore, you know, when I started school. So he, right. he hung it up. Huh? What a heck of a decision for a musician to make. It, I mean, what a, it, what a cool gesture by your pops. I mean, man, I, yeah, I, I it didn't hit me until I got older and I really started playing and started loving it and everything. Cause I just wanted my dad home as a selfish seven year old, you know, of course, but, um, yeah, for him to make that sacrifice was, uh, quite a big sacrifice. And he, he got a job as a busboy at Caesars after that, after being in, you know, a great <sighs> band and, and having all those accolades and everything. And then he worked his way up and he did that for 30 years. And then, um, I was lucky enough to get this show and he's been playing with me for, for 18 years right next to me so he was able to get back to being a professional musician you know so what a gift to be able to give back to your dad right i mean after he yeah he worked his ass off for 30 years for me so it was so good for him to be able to really work for like his his son and his honorary son which is jimmy because you know he's known jimmy since he was nine years old you know so you guys were running buddies right back in the oh day. yeah we moved on the same block, uh, in the same track home, you know, he had come from Brooklyn and, uh, I just met him on the street one day and then we became pals and been pals ever since, you know, through cowboys and Indians and hot wheels and, you know, <laughs> sure. All the little the things that all the little friends th- do, right? Yep. Bikes and, you know, so did I read ball. that you guys like made a pack at, at some point that said, if one of us makes it, the other one's coming with, is that fact I think or we, fiction? Yeah, well, I, I think I remember we had a few conversations when we were young, when we were kids, you know, even before we were even in show business, I think. But yeah, there's always been kind of an unspoken, you know, he was when it when he started making it, uh, you know, before I was, he 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 waited for the uh, for the for so, something that he could bring me into. So he did a few different things and then he got the man show and that didn't really warrant um you know, a band like ours or mm. anything else. So he had like this oompa band and this guy that like drank beer, like in two seconds, you know, like it was, but it fit that show. I did uh, co-wrote, co-write and, and sang the theme of the man show. I stacked a bunch of voices and sounded like a bunch of dudes. And so he brought me in for that, but he couldn't really like get me on the show. So when he got this one, you know, he, our pact, I guess came true. <laughs> God, man. 
Yeah, I was on. I was in Atlanta, I think, with Mark Anthony at a sound check. Kind of bored, missing home, and and uh, my phone rang, and he's like, "Yo, Junior, I got this uh, thing. I'm getting this show on ABC. You want to be my band leader?" And I was like, "Well, yeah, dude." <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I don't think so. Yeah, I, you know what? I'm good, man. I'm, but uh, yeah, so that was you know 18 well, years ago. Well, we'll talk more about the the Kimmel okay. show, but let's let's Sorry, take yeah. it back. Just a little ways, and talk a little bit about why you picked up the saxophone. And was that just because your dad was playing it? Is that what came naturally you, uh, to you? That's actually a pretty cool story because I, in Vegas, we go to, we uh, at, at, in sixth grade. They send you to a sixth grade center. And they have they have uh, you can have an elective, you know. So whatever that elective is, you know, band, uh, choir, you know, whatever. So I, go, I get to the class the first day and they're asking to pick electives. But one of my best friends from, from uh, uh, elementary school was in my class. And if I picked band, I wouldn't be in his class. And then, so I chose choir because I've been singing. So I was a little, you know, so I was, I can't remember not ever singing. And um, so I go home and, and uh, my mom said, what'd you pick? I said, well, I picked choir. And she's like, well, you know what? You might want to think that over because your dad's got a brand new saxophone in the closet that he doesn't like. He 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 had one that somebody had given him years ago. It was a busher, and it was basically brand new. And uh, she goes, "Listen, not every kid's fortunate to have a professional horn just there, free. And uh, your dad can maybe help you out a little bit to get you shoved off, you know." And I, I was like, "All right," you know, like flippantly was like, "Yeah, I'll just play the saxophone, whatever." Yeah, kind of like that, and. Uh, so then I started playing and I, you know, by the second year I was playing, I was starting to excel a little bit and trying, trying to improv. And I would get really frustrated when I could hear my dad could play the blues or whatever. And I couldn't. And right. so I would just start sitting in my room and trying to learn whatever I could. I was never a big shedder and like whatever, but I would sit in my room and try to play records and play along with them. And so like, you know, in eighth grade, I was already starting to solo and, what we called stage band at the you know oh, sure. in junior high yeah yeah so I was that's that's how that started. What kind of record and, were you uh, listening to? Been playing along with back in those days? Uh, you know what? Let's see. Maybe a little later, but like all the Blues Brothers stuff, and you oh, know, really? I would just kind of play along. Yeah, and then whatever blues stuff I had, like my, I'd get the Jamie Ebersol stuff. Jamie Ebersol. Oh yeah, you know the play along. So I, I got like Explain the Cannonball to my one. My listeners, and, what that is though, because they won't understand that. Okay, well, back in the day, there was a guy named Jamie Ambersall, and they would do, they would, like, have a, a rhythm section, and then you could play the heads, whether it'd be, like, a Charlie Parker heads or, like, Cannonball Adderley. They had, like, some of them were just, like, nothing but the blues, and they'd do all these different progressions. And back then, it were records, and you would just, you know, you'd drop the needle and play along with the melody and then try to solo just to hone your skills as an improviser. Gosh. So you got to play in a band that was on a record and it was basically, they took your part out so you could be that voice, right? right, In practice. Right. Got it. Right. So you just play along and you're just kind of playing with the band, but you know, it's just you in your room. (laughs) Right. Right. I think a ton of us did that as, you know, as kids, you know, they're still around. I think I even have some upstairs in a CD form. I've got some on my uh, iTunes as we speak. Yeah, yeah. They're great. <laughs> yeah. The players are unbelievable. I know, yeah. A friend of mine that I work with that I think you know, Eric Leeds, a great tenor player, 
Mm-hmm. He says he's, he sits in his apartment and sheds four hours a day. Oh, he says wow. with the best musicians on the planet that happen to be on these Jamie Ambersol, uh, uh MP3s. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. He just loves it. So you're yep. in eighth grade, man. When you get the bone to start, you know, we got to take the show on the road. I mean, it wasn't eighth grade. I, I can only No, imagine. no. Well, I played all through high school and, and, uh, you know, we would go to the competitions and the jazz competitions. And uh, I had this one teacher, my high school teacher was obsessed with winning these competitions and all this stuff. So I was kind of one of the few that could solo. So I was lead alto in the big band and I would play, take the solo with the, I needed a tenor solo. I'd take the tenor out from under my chair. Then I'd take, the ten- <laughs> even though there was two tenors there, he was just so obsessed with like, you have to take these solo. I'm like, all right, I'll take, you know. Anyway, so I got a little. you could play. Got, that's why. Well, yeah, ish. And I, I got, um, I kind of got the bug, you know, being on stage and having fun. I just, I more so loved the music and like the big bands and the jazz part of it and stuff. And um, yeah, so I kept going on through high school. I ended up quitting my senior year because, because of the same reason with the teacher that I was obsessed with winning. And I, I felt I wasn't getting an education you know, so I, I I went to UNLV early and I joined the, the, uh, their program early. So I, I did like early college studies there and I joined a couple big bands there, right. eventually playing in all three of them. Like the, I think two o'clock, four o'clock and then the, what they called the, the zoo band, which was like, I think that was three, I think I'm not sure, but it was, so it was, that's how I got started. And, um, I originally joined I mean, uh, in, enrolled in, at UNLV as a uh, political science major because I think I had watched uh, <laughs> some Al Pacino, <laughs> oh, right. some lawyer, some lawyer movie, and I was like, "Yeah, that, that's what I want to do. I want to go fight the power, you know, whatever." Right. Uh, and justice for all. And I was yeah. like, "Yeah, I'm going to be a lawyer." Then, about four weeks in, I realized I'm a terrible student, and I switched it right back to music major and just started. No, <laughs> just kind of immersed myself back into that. Yeah. Right. Uh, and as far as I hope I'm not being boring or long winded. No, man, no, that. this is great. When did so you started throughout college? Were you working the strip or what? Well, were here's you doing? what happened. Like that, here's here's how I got like kind of in a in a weird way. I, I had a job uh, at Wilson Suede and Leather, which was uh, I don't know if you remember the. the of course I do. Jacks. Yeah. Okay, so that that was my last straight gig I've ever had. But anyway, so I was. I was vacuuming one night, like, just like, oh, I got to go, you know, I got, got done with school, came, and I'm vacuuming, the phone rings. And this guy calls me up. He's like, hey, man, I got this gig. Uh, these guys called the Indigos, and they were like a, you know, discount temptations, you know, like, <laughs> same suits and <laughs> steps and, you know, whatever. And they, right. they needed a sax player. They had, like, 15 weeks booked. And the guy goes, they got, like, 15 weeks, and it's, it pays three fifty a week. And I was just like, 350 a week how am i ever gonna spend 350 a week like i was like yes let me go so i went i I didn't really even have to audition they just threw me on stage and they had some like makeshift charts and i was just kind of but they're playing like you know conga by miami sound machine so you know so i knew a lot of those horn lines and you know or just old stuff and so i started playing with them and and uh still trying to go to school but you know i'm getting off work at 2 30 and, okay. and my first class at 7.30, and I, I was, like, starting to miss classes and miss, like, my theory classes, miss that. And then finally, just to make a long story short, I, I they were going to go to Atlantic City for a month, 
and it was going to fall like right in the middle of the of the next semester or something. So I, I went to my dad and I said, Hey dad, I, I you know, I really want to do this gig and, and I'm, um, I want to go to Atlantic city and, you know, see what, what it's about, but I have to take a semester off because it's going to be right in the middle of the thing. And, and his answer to me was, I, I, I did the same thing when I was your age. I went to grandpa and said, can, can I not go to college and go on the road? And he's like, Hey man, if that's what your passion is go do it. So he said, I, there's no way I can tell you no. So I rolled. Wow. And, um, and before then, one of our friends that we were just talking about, uh, Jerry Lopez, we were talking oh. about not on, on screen, but so right before I'd been playing with the Indigos for a while, but we, but we alternated with the band called Santa Fe, um, at the Hilton, I think it was where I met Jerry, uh, and they would do a set and we would do a set and they would, and I just like fell in love with Jerry. I was like, yeah. who is this cat? And, and his, I mean, his singing and the band, I mean, yeah. the, and they were very popular in Vegas at the time. So I had known about him before. And, uh, but I just never forget. I walked in and he was singing something. He had long hair and he had this like kind of Prince like coat. Like, and he <laughs> just like, he was just bad. I mean, he had singing. I was just like, I want to be that dude right there. So yeah. we became friends and, and he knew all about my dad and like, you know, uh, and, you know, they came from Santa Fe, New Mexico, so they knew a lot about the Tejano scene, so they knew my uncle, but, you know, and my, and my dad's band, not to be braggadocious, but they were kind of a legend in Las Vegas for okay. a long time, and yeah. people still know of them, you know. Uh, so we had a connection right away, and uh, so I kept in touch when I went to Atlantic City. I would still call him every once in a while. We were looking up, and he's like, but maybe one day we can, you know, do something together, you know, like, maybe you can get in the band if we need something, you know, whatever. So I got home, I forgot how long it was, but I got home and I, I, uh, he said, there's an opening. And, and if you want to come audition, they wanted to see if I could sing background and stuff. And I'll never forget. That's why I, I love the song September so much. Cause that's what I was. I was singing background on that, uh, to audition for them. I, I, you know, I got the gig and then I, I had like the best four years of my musical life with him. You know, I, I just uh, had so much fun. I learned so much from Jerry. And uh, yeah, if any of your listeners don't, don't know that you look up Jerry, uh, Santa Fe and the Fat City Horns now. When so I was to, with... And, and to let the, my viewers know, Jerry Lopez has been a friend of the Peterson family. Yeah. I can't remember for how long. And he's, I've had the great opportunity to go and sit in with Jerry every time I go to Vegas. He's like, right. Monday night. Come on yep. out. We got your charts. We're gonna and, and, and he's been so kind and, and extended opportunities to me, and I've been able to extend opportunities to him. And it's just been a beautiful friendship. And he couldn't be mm -hmm. a more talented, down to earth, great guy, and just oozing with talent. Yep. It's so fun that we have him in common. I can't wait to I tell know. him that I, I I interviewed him. He's on my list too. I got to interview oh, good. him. Yeah, as well. oh, you got it. Yeah, he's he's yeah, he's like my big brother, man. He taught me so much stuff about a lot of stuff, not just music. Oh yeah, King. Um, I was I was nineteen oh, when I got his. Oh, do yeah. tell. <laughs> no, I was nineteen when I got in his band. You know, so I'm like, I'm like running crazy. You know, like this is great. And finally, like in a you know a popular band in Vegas, and it wasn't. They were playing really hip shit, you know, like as opposed to just corny stuff, you know. Right. People don't realize that there's a lot of really cool musicians in Vegas. I mean, more so now maybe, but like we always got tagged as like, you know, gold lame jackets and, you know, what's, singing what's whatever. What's wrong with gold lame? <laughs> Nothing wrong with that, but you, know, no, but you know what I mean? Like the lounge lizard shit, you know, like. Totally. No, I get it. There's a lot of talented people there. 
So you spent four years with Jerry in in. I think it was four. Yeah, four or five. It might have been a little longer. Because um, I get some of my dates mixed up. Yeah, about eighty six to like ninety one. Yeah. Oh wow. So I was playing. We did that. And we we played all over, all over the all over Vegas. And then we'd go to Reno a lot, and uh, we'd go to Phoenix and do whatever. But not not extensive road stuff, you know. Just mainly around the, you know the Vegas area. But it was so much fun, and we had a really good band. His brother Lenny was in the band with us, sure. and us three had a really nice blend together. It was great singing with them, and and they're definitely my honorary brothers, man. It's like they're, and then their dad, who we lost a few years ago, mm. him and I were very close because we we were like the peanut gallery on breaks, you know. Him and I tell jokes, and all his kids had heard his shit, so he he, he had the new kid to tell all his jo- oh, his yeah. old jokes to, you know. So and of oh, course yeah. I loved him, but so yeah, so those guys are very very special to me and uh jerry is very instrumental in, in i think just me being able to keep you know pursuing this career and and uh having a long career that, that i've had you know right so was it when you were with jerry that you got the call to go on tour well, what happened How'd that was happen? i was getting a little antsy like i i we we had done a few cool originals and jerry had some original and stuff but i was just like I'll give you one thing that, that one that sticks in my head. I was, I think, going to a gig, or yeah, because we started late, and and uh, it was at the old MGM, which is now Bally's. I saw this tour bus pulling out, and it was in excess. I just, I just played, and they were leaving. And I saw, and I, I, I had a glimpse inside that tour bus, and there was like this little chandelier or something. And I was just like, fuck. Like, I like I got to get in one of those tour buses. I got to like go see the world, you know, like not that I didn't love playing in Vegas or love Santa Fe. I just, right. I was young enough and I knew that this was the time that I needed to get out, you know, yep. like, and I was about 25, 20, yeah, 24 and a half when that happened. So I started like trying to figure out ways to try to, you know, I guess get to LA, but I didn't want to come to LA and just be broken you know, try to, and I, you know, I wasn't a rocker, so I'm not going to go play Gazaris and, you know, like, it's just like, and I'm not a jazz musician either, so I'm not going to go burn up the baked potato. So I, I had a kind of a style, you know, a certain avenue. So my dad, speaking to my dad working at um, Caesars, he used to work backstage with a lot of the people. He would take care of a lot of bands and, and, uh, you know, Julio Iglesias and, and uh, Diana Ross, whatever. They would all kind of ask for him. So he would take care of all the guys. And he would take especially care of the, of the side musicians because he was a musician. So he had, a, you know, he really would want to take care of them, not treat them like just the help, you know. But uh, anyway, long story short, Chicago's playing at uh, Caesars, the band Chicago. And my dad knew Walt and all the guys from years ago before they, they used to play in the same circuits before sure. the Chicago blew up. And uh, so their then tour manager, uh, was talking to my dad because my dad would tell him my son's playing at the barge. I was literally there in the showroom and we were at the barge with Jerry. Okay. You know, he goes, yeah. He he said, uh, I forgot if he asked or whatever, but he said, I'm going to be Paul Abdul's tour manager. And do you know any like sax player or whatever? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, well, my son, but like, you know, uh, you should you know, audition him, you know? So, um, so months later, it, I, I get the call that they're going to have auditions here at a place called third encore. And, uh, we, at, at that time we were at the sands. I was playing with Jerry at the sands and the, the, the audition was going to be on a Sunday. 
And almost every gig that we ever did, we were off on Mondays. But for some reason at the Sands, we were off on Sundays. So like the, the, every, the stars aligned and I was able to fly out of my day off and come do the audition. Because uh, what they did, they put us in like five different bands. So different bands played and they were going to handpick from different people. So, so I go uh, do the audition. They had a bunch of different guys. There was like four, there was th- down to like four of us left or whatever. I forgot. But uh, anyways, they called me and the, the management had, had called and, and uh, I still have the letter. And they, they wrote me a letter, thank, like kind of a thanks, but no thanks. And then Marty, the tour manager, called me and said, man, they just think you have no, you know, don't have enough uh, experience and this and that. Well, but I'm like, experience? Shit, I've been busting my ass six cents a night, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> I got more experience than these. You know, anyway, um, so I, I hung up the phone and I was a little like, oh, shit, you know. And then I, uh, I picked it right back up and very, very out of character for me. I'm a horrible self-promoter, but I just knew that this was my only shot out, you know, like to, to I knew I had the, basically this one shot and um, I called him back. I said, hey, man, you, you got to give me like, you got to let me go to the callback. I said, uh, I, I, you know, I, I rap, I sing, I dance, I, which is all bullshit. I, I, I sing and play the sax. <laughs> but I was like, anything. I, was like, I, was, I just knew if I could get in front of Paula and like, you know, I, I could just, I, I just, I, I felt something that I could get that gig. And, and uh, so sure enough, he's like, all right, man, whatever. So I go back and I, I and we got, uh, they put us in two bands and the last two guys I had to get through were, Michael Paolo, who used to play with uh, Al Jarreau, who I always liked, you know, and then Gary Bias, who was playing with Earth, Wind, and Fire at the time. We were both bad motherfuckers. I, I was like, eh. right. you know, but I thought, well, I'm a little younger. I had, I had long hair at the time. Like, but even Michael Paolo said, yeah, that, that hair might get you the gig, dude. That's like, <laughs> Isn't okay, that funny? Thanks. But that's the Thank truth. You. That's well, the truth, you know, dude. And I was just like, it's a young tour. I'm not, I'm not auditioning for Chick Corea, you know, so... It, it was, I knew what it was. And then I was 25, like, you know, it was just like, and, uh, we did the audition. I, I flew home and about in 30 minutes after my plane landed and I got home, I got the call. Let's go on the road. And, and uh, that the rest is history. I changed, you know, that year changed my life. And I, I was able to move to LA and come here with a gig, you know, right. and meet wow. folks. And did you so know that, that was, we have that, we have that artist in common? Oh, really? We're going to take a little break from the interview right now because I want to tell you about a couple of really cool things. First of all, we're having so much fun with our weekly one-minute funk jams called Funk Friday. We've had so many world-class musicians on Funk Friday, including members of the Steve Miller Band, Fleetwood Mac, Daryl Hall and John Oates, Earth, Wind and Fire, just to name a few. You can check that out on all of our social media, but you can also see it on our YouTube channel. I also want to take this opportunity to thank all of our members who have supported us on Patreon. Don't know what Patreon is? Go to www.patreon.com forward slash music on the run podcast and there you'll get all sorts of information on how you can financially help us produce this podcast there are all kinds of incentives listed there on the website and there are many different levels on how you can become involved we could not put on this podcast without our patrons all right let's get back to the interview 
Did you so know that, that was, we have that we have that artist in common? Uh, oh, really? I in, did her in first what, record. Oh, did you? Yeah, Oliver oh, with, Lieber, who with Oliver, a, so, Oliver's yeah, a dear know, friend I, of mine. I introduced him to Paula because she choreographed okay. my video for a song called "Rich Man" when I was on MCA. Yeah, I know "Rich Man." Yeah. yeah. I know that record very well. I mean, I, we used to cover you with Jerry in Santa Fe. Oh, we did nine one one. Oh yeah, so, yeah. The, the one crazy. that Sanborn played on. I still, I, I stole a look from Sanborn on that. The heat, uh, heat something. I forgot what it was, but yeah, we 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 did like three or four songs. That. So Paula was anyway, a dear sorry. friend of mine at that point in time. So I introduced him to. I'm sorry, hurt to Oliver, and Oliver wrote all those hits. All those, right? All those, and we did all of that in Minneapolis, or ninety oh, wow, percent of it. That. So I was with him on a daily basis. Wow, playing I did keys, not know that. playing bass, pl- playing a lot of the horn R- arrangements and stuff. Right, so, right. But who? Oh, knew? that's great. Oh, that's I a, know. that's such a great story. It's just such a weird, yeah. So that was your beginning I, of life on the road, huh? Yeah, on the road like that, you know. I mean, right, in right. bands and shit, but you know, uh, yeah. So like, I mean, I got there. I was just like, oh my god, like this is crazy. And then like, I, I was taken aback at how little work it was <laughs> compared to our grind at home, you know. Because uh, like a lot of them, we'd play like like I said, six sets a night, you know, six nights a week. You know, by the end of the week, we're like, all right, see you guys later. You know, you got to take the day to get your mm-hmm. throat back. And, uh, but yeah, so that was my first tour bus. And like, I remember when our first gig was in Atlanta, when the lights went out, I, I, it was like unnerving to hear that big crowd because I had never played, you know, I'm playing to some people playing Kino, you know. Right, right. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Isn't that the most glorious sound on the planet? Yeah, the it sure is. A crowd like that. Not Kino. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> the sound yeah, of a crowd of- roaring like that when the lights go down. I got huge. Now that we have in ears, I got to take them out and I got to make sure yeah. that I'm in the moment and hear that because. Yeah. Nothing like it. All go away, too. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, yeah. you got to stay in the moment and, and, and love what you're doing. So you did mm-hmm. the Paul Abdul gig for how long? It, we toured for a full year on that record and then. Uh, she didn't want to go to Europe. We were going to do Europe, and then she didn't want to go. She was she had just married Emilio Estevez, so she wanted to hang, hang, you know. Yeah. So then the next record came out, and we did a little bit of touring on that one. We did a few. We did like Tonight Show. Went to Japan. Went to Puerto Rico. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't. She had lost the you know the. She wasn't as big as she was the second that second or third yeah second record. Because we toured on Spellbound. That's right. Oh, but we okay. played all the hits from the first one, but we toured on the record Spellbound. Then she had another one, and then that one was the one where, you know, we weren't going to do a big tour with, again. So, Oh, yeah. And that's what happened, yeah. You but boy, she had a run, man. in the, the sun, right? And then uh, yep. you never know what's going to happen. But yep. you were able to tour with some other folks as well. Tell me about the uh, Mark Anthony stuff. Yeah. Uh, well, that was the very last touring gig I did. I, I can go through some Paula? of the other ones. After Paula, I, she had signed me to. Uh, she had a like an imprint label uh, at Virgin. Oh wow! So I did a record. I did a record. Uh, actually, I worked with Sheila uh, on that. She produced a couple songs. Uh, Brian McKnight, a couple people. I kind of oh, did wow. like the. I did a Spanglish record. It was kind of like it was a little popular than I wanted, but 
I was young and I just listened to whatever they, whatever they told me, I, you know, whatever. But I did some Spanglish stuff and some Spanish stuff. And I kind of made like the pop explosion record like four years too early, uh, <laughs> you know, so they didn't really yeah. know what to do with it. And I did some stuff. I kind of charted in Puerto Rico, but there was like no product. It just, it, it just, it the typical, you know, you've had record deals, you know what the deal is. Yes, so that went left. So I started like, all right, I'm not going home. I'm, I'm going to, I still kept trying to pursue being an artist, but I just thought I'm going to work. So I just started, started going and I started doing vocal sessions, a lot of stuff in Spanish. I found that little niche and I found some people that got me into that. But through that, um, I recorded with a guy named Luis Miguel, who's oh, yeah. like, for my money, man, one of the baddest singers, I mean, walking the planet. I mean, he, he was amazing. I, I didn't know how big he was, but during recording a couple of these songs, his band leader was like, yeah, we're losing our trumpet player. Do you want to like, maybe you can play alto and sing background. I'm like, yeah, sure. So that was my first like bigger artist uh, that I toured with the him. But talk about crowds. He, he, he would get like police escorts, like in Argentina, we played river plate stadium to 80,000 people at, at, uh, and just people scream. I mean, it became like, it was kind of scary. Like the crowd is so big. It was like its own entity. Like it's this big monster, you know? Wow. But um, yeah, so I did that tour with him. I did only did one South American tour with him. And then I came back and was gigging around, blah, 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 still doing sessions and still trying to write stuff. You know, I had a few other bands I was in. I played with a band called Cecilia Noel and the Wild Clams. That kind of kept me sane for years. It was like a salsa funk rock band i used to say she was like gloria stefan on like acid and steroids kind of a you know she's <laughs> right. from peru she's like the be- she's the best and my whole band is that that's how we met the band that oh, i have no on, on tv now. okay yeah we all played through that we all went through that that band and met that way but anyway to keep going so a couple I, you know i bopped around did my thing i'm still making a living you know fine but not oh in in between that i i toured with philip bailey uh twice to japan which was like my favorite one yeah. of my favorite gigs i've ever i've ever done it was so funky and he was so nice and i totally my one of my childhood idols and uh so for those just, of you who don't know who philip billy is oh, he's one of the lead singers of the band earth wind and fire and he yeah. did some solo stuff too yeah and that's what he's like yeah e- easy lover with phil collins and stuff right. like that but yeah so i turned with him but Anyway, so after that, blah, 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 I get a call that, that uh, Mark Anthony's looking for background singers. And I since I've been doing some Spanish stuff, I knew a lot of those people. So I just went and I I sang and I, I just sang. I, I wasn't really auditioning. They just like <laughs> gave us his stuff. And it was right when he had that, like like I said, the Latin explosion hit. So he did some stuff in English. So I did both the, the, the pop stuff and the, the Spanish. But So I toured with him for like three or four years. Like, oh, wow. You know, we did a couple tours, yeah, and a lot of the TV stuff. And so I was in New York all the time with him, which was really fun. Yeah, and the band was amazing. I used to get so frustrated because I couldn't play with that band. They, oh. they carried two, they carried two trumpets and three trombones. Oh, it's a straight up salsa band. Yeah, right. so, and some salsa bands will have sax players, but not a lot of them. So I was like, ah, shit. you know, like, but it was still fun, and I was singing all those things. And he's another bad mofo, like high and hard all night, every night, like never loses his voice. Like, I don't know, you know, like, I'm not that durable, <laughs> but well, six, yeah. So that six sets a night, I think you're pretty durable. Yeah. <laughs> Give yourself more credit yeah. than that, bro. Right, right. 
but uh, yeah, cement said I did that and had fun with that. And then I, then I got the call from Jimmy and then that was, you know, like I said, 18, 19 years ago. Perfect transition to, to the Jimmy Kimmel show. You are the musical director. What does that entail on a daily basis? So that like, for me, what I, you know, I like pick all the songs that we play and, uh, uh, I let the guys, I don't write everything because I, I wanted to spread the love since I wrote right. the theme. I thought, oh, let me have the guys do the walk-ons, you know, and some of the bumpers. We'll do, we'll do like two covers a night, you know, some like whatever, the 1975, whatever new band, you know, 21 Pilot. You know, we play all the like, younger bands trying to stay, you know, hip as it, yeah, as it is. You know, and then we play some funk shit at the end. You know, we, that's what, you know, we're, we're a, kind of a horny funk band, you know, like that's what we like to play. And, uh, so we do that, but so I'll pick, I go find songs too. Like I, I search the chart, Spotify, whatever, anything that's good for our band. Like that's kind of what I, what I do. Uh, you know, I cut, I cut off, you know, I'm a, the band leader, you know, and yeah, that yeah. like, we used to have a joke, like, you know, if you meet a girl, does this look familiar? You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> As he cuts the you're trying to be cool. Right. Yeah. 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 But, um, yeah, so, you know, I just kind of run things and out, you know, the producers will call me for a bit, you know, like we, we need a, you know, a fake commercial. Can you sing this? Or so my, my right-hand man's Jeff Babco, a keyboard player, trombone player as well. So he'll usually do the tracks, him and us, you know, we'll sing the stuff together or we'll, if we need a female, we'll produce that and have the female come in and, you know, sing or whatever. Um, and just the day-to-day -day business stuff that I'll, I'll, I'll take the heat for the, you know, not take the heat, but like when there's stuff coming down from the top, whatever, you know, I get the call and then I'll tell the guys what's going on and, and what else, but mainly, you know, I'm just cutting off the band and picking songs and, you know, playing with my guys, you know, how much different is that the grind of that than touring just to differentiate for my listeners? Well, touring, the touring, you know, you're on the road and as you know, you know, you're sleeping kind of weird and, and, uh, you know, this, some sound checks go longer than others. You're, and then you, I'd be off in a strange city, and you're. I don't know. There's, there's a different kind of a grind. Like for this, uh, it's just more of a nine to five, and and uh, each day has a different, a different challenge. Like I said, sometimes there's a, a a few bits that they need to get right away, and you know, like oh shit, you know, I, I need it by three, and so you know, whatever. Um, and then some days we just go sound check, and then we come back. You know, we go to Jimmy's rehearsal, we do our rehearsal, then then we don't do anything until we tape, you know? Right. So it can, it can be easier, you know, but uh, there is a, there, I do miss some aspects of touring too, but I think it's, a, it's kind of a young man's game as well. <laughs> well, you can't really, a, I mean, with the gig you have, you can't really go on the road. Is that right? Yeah. You know what? I can't. I mean, the the, the guys can and have, and I've, I've let, you know, they sub out if they need to. And, and, you know, I have a couple subs each chair deep, you know, sure. but like, you know, Babco's, he does, he's toured with James Taylor and Cheryl Crow. And, you know, I, right. I would let him leave for a while. Uh, Toshi, our guitar player, Toshi Anagi used to, um, uh, tour with a guy named Yazawa. It was very big in Japan. So it was just a very lucrative gig and I'm not going to, uh, you know, staple somebody to our stage. So I'd like everybody to be able to go out and do as long as we can, do the gig here at home, you know, I'd, but you I'll save let them their go. seats for them. Don't you? 
Oh yes, sir. Those are they're not only my 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 favorite musicians, but they're my pals, man. So they're like my brothers, and and especially Je- not especially, uh, but Jeff Toshi and I have been in a lot of different situations, and and we've known each other the longest right. out of all the guys. Uh, that's so that's that, pretty but, special, though, man. I got to give you props for that because not every band leader will do that. I mean, some guys would go. I'm sorry if you're going to go do that. Uh, the chair is going to be open, and someone's going to come in. Right. But the fact that you hold down that and that gives your buddies stability. Yeah, that that's that's totally a great thing. So, yeah, yeah. and I, I I I'm I also like I. I I'm very clear with them that let's make sure it's really worth it for you to leave and to have us cover you. Because if it's just some, you know, kind of weird little tour, I don't know, touring with someone like James Taylor or, you know what I mean? You, you got to let them experience that. That's a once in a lifetime kind of kind of thing, you know, and it helps that Jimmy's cool with it too. And like a lot of the people like Jeff, uh, he plays with Martin short and Steve Martin. Oh yeah. So, so, and then, like, so it just works out because, like, Jimmy's a big James Taylor fan. Of course, a huge Martin Short fan, friends with Martin. And, uh, you know, he's like, sure, go take a day off and go work with them for a weekend. You know, like, so, and we'll cover it, you know. So, but things like that, you kind of have to let your guys experience, man. I, I'm not that selfish. That's really cool. And one of the things that's got that's got to be great for you, even though you can't personally go on the road, is that you get to sleep in your own bed every night, don't you? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> and I do, being a father too, like to young children, I mean, I, I didn't have kids till a few, couple years into the show, but to be able to put them to sleep to, at night and wake up with them and give them breakfast and take them to school, and then that's a, that's huge, man. It's like, as you know, and I, have, I was on the road with guys that had little kids, and it's hard. It's really hard. What a luxury. What a, it's a what giant a great luxury. great gig, man. Yeah. Yeah, man, I, I I pinch myself daily. <laughs> so you have you've gotten to play with a lot of artists on that show, right? Yeah, yeah, ton of people. Give me some like, examples of who's been that come to mind. Well, I'll just just because it happened last night, I'll give you. Uh, we had on the Doobie Brothers last night <sighs> with uh, with Michael McDonald and Tom Johnson and. and uh, uh, I got to, I, I watched the whole set. Like they did like six songs, like off air. And, you know, I, I, Michael McDonald and Stevie wonder, like, those are like my, you know, yeah. I love Michael McDonald. Like I, he has no idea what he's meant to my life, you know, but he's but, uh, back to what you're asking. He sat in with us one time pretty early in the show. And I, 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 uh, when I was singing with him and, uh, I had his, his voice was in my ears. I like, I literally got a tear down my cheek. Cause I was like, yeah you know, 15, 16 year old Cleto shit his pants, you know, like, um, and, <laughs> yeah. and couldn't be the nicest guy. Couldn't be a nicer guy, you know, but man, do we've have everybody from Holland Oates to George Benson to, uh, Edgar winter, who was another one of my big heroes when I was a kid. And, uh, it's, uh, there's so many people have come through. I, I like forget Lou Rawls sat in with us twice, never which find. is, yep. But it was so cool. Cause that's like, you know, my childhood, you know, but, I couldn't Slash. agree with you more. When I when I did the Donnie and Marie show, Lou Rawls, mm-hmm. Brittany, <laughs> uh, 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 Justin Timberlake before they were yeah. anything. Wow. I got to play with uh, Robert Palmer, Stevie. Amazing. That's amazing, yeah. My mind was completely <laughs> blown out of the water to be able to play with my heroes. 
once again, what a what a great thing for a musician. Your list of credits must read like after 18 years, 20 miles long. Yeah, I mean, it's just we've just been lucky that we they, they people sit in with us and they you know. Have there been know, any been, turds coming on when you? <laughs> this oh is boy. a very unfair question, but I'm going to ask it because I already know the answer to this. But you don't have to name names. Have you ever had someone come on and you've had to play with them and they've been either not very good or terrible to work with? There's been both, and then I'm not going to name any names. No, don't do it. But I tell- won't. But you. There's been a couple of turds musically that were like, really? Like you, people that you would think that would have their shit together didn't. Right. And then a couple that are definitely less enthusiastic. They're, they're like kind of bummed out that they're sitting in with us as opposed to out on our big stage or something, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, the attitude was definitely, you could tell. So, and we just try to be accommodating and we're there hosting. We're basically hosting some musicians and, you know, but there's been some that are so great. Like we just had so much fun and so down to earth and right. You know, and then there's some funny ones. I'll, I'll give you a oh, please. You can name yes. it. I'm going to name a name, but it's not bad. Cause he's, he was great. But when we go to break, like the first, usually the, the first break is the longest one where they'll show the band, especially when there's a, when there's a sit in, right. They'll, they'll give him 20 seconds, you know? So, so whatever. So we have on Kenny Loggins, right? So, we get a great guy, one of my favorites, whatever. Yeah. Um, he comes on and he's going to do, we're going to do, this is it. So I was like, why don't we do it? There's been times in my life, right? Let's do it. Like, just kick it off quick, you know? So he was like, all right, we're going to kick it off quick. So, <laughs> so we go and cut it off. Whatever time. And then here, here comes the camera. Camera. Kenny just standing there. Fade to black. <laughs> and I go, and then right... <laughs> Right as we go off camera, he starts singing, and I'm like, oh, "Dude, like I'm trying to get you on TV, you know, like I, I right. want, I, I want oh, the America Kenny. to see." You. But he just like he just kind of hanging, and and that, that's the problem too. Some of them don't get like what we're you know, or like that we cut off quick. Like oh, we yeah. had on George, we had on George Thurgood, and he was great, it was fun, and but he didn't get the like. As soon as there's a one shot of Jimmy, I'm cutting the band. There's some, you know, I'll try to make it musical, but sometimes it can't be. It's just right. like we're mid phrase or whatever. Cause I can't play over Jimmy while he's trying to like, Hey, we're back. You know? Right. And he but he was t- at rehearsal was trying to teach us all these endings, but I was like, dude, we're not going to we'll get to the ending. Yeah. <laughs> no, so, but, uh, yeah, here's but my ending. Boop. That's it. Yeah. We're that's done. kind of it. Yeah. Right. So, but you know, would they finally get it? And, uh, but that's a really fun part of the gig too, to have, you know, to have guys like that. And, being able to play all those cool songs. Oh, yeah. You get to cover all those great songs. Well, look, you're on TV all the time. And because this is called Music on the Run, uh-huh. we also like to focus about how you stay healthy, man. How you keep looking like you're, you know, 35 <laughs> years old, young man. <laughs> what 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 does your health mean to you, man? How do you stay healthy? I, you know, I just try to eat right and... Uh, I'm very good at portion control. <laughs> like I'm not. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm actually not. But as I got older, I had to be because, like, when I was a kid, I I could eat a pizza after the gig at three in the morning and wake up a pound lighter, you know. And yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, o- over the pandemic, like, I we have a gym across the street from the show, and I, I used to go to the walk across. But like, I've been so paranoid to go back to a gym. 
Oh, I haven't yeah. been doing. I haven't been doing much. My wife and I bought a Peloton, and we were doing that for a minute. But you know, I get in my ruts with the exercising stuff. But I just try to eat as best I can. Right, and and you said you go through ruts and stuff like that. What's your What's your favorite thing to do? Is it are you like a treadmill guy or a bike guy or a? I like guy? to lift and lift and and, and like bike because I used to love I used to love to run, but my knees are shot now, so I. I can make it like up the street and I'm like, I can feel my bones. Check, please. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's yeah, the way it, we invested in that Peloton because it kind of makes it fun and you're still doing something. Plus chasing your children around, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, that'll do it. My little boy's playing baseball now, so we're trying to get out in the yard as much as we can and do that kind crazy. of stuff. So what are you working on right now, man? Besides um, the show. Do you have anything, any music that we're going to be able to hear? Well, you know what? We keep threatening. We have a few tracks that the band and I would have done. And we it's just like, I think we all, like, speaking of ruts, we get in these, like, our daily routine of just going to work, coming back, doing this, and then, you know. So I can't say that I have anything, like, imminent, but uh, we have been talking about it. We, we want to do something. And I, I, you know, I want to put something more out than the record I did in 94. That was, yeah. I'd like to do something to leave my kids, you know, so uh, we'll, we'll do something soon. Hey, what keeps you motivated to stay in the game? What, what, what is that one thing that just keeps driving you to excel and, and keep going? Uh, I don't know. Well, I love, I, I just, I still love to play. I love music. I, I went through a thing for a while. I was like, eh, look, I was so bummed with the business and stuff that I didn't have the same passion, but sometimes I, I gave it, well, when we went, the first day we went back to the studio after being out for a year, um, uh, when I felt the kick drum on my back, you know, when we was playing, I, I again got a little emotional. I was just like, oh, I forgot how much I love this shit, you know, and to play with my guys and, not just, you know, on a Zoom or through headphones, you know, to have your guys there. And like I said, to feel the kick drum up your ass and like like that. So I still love all the musical parts of it. And then um, it just, whenever our band sounds really good, like, you know, my name's on that band and then my, my best pal's name's on the show. And uh, I just want to do the best I can. And, and I, I feel like we, you know, I feel we throw it down every night, you know, the guys... I, like I said, I love my guys and I, I feel they're the best in the business. And it's, uh, that motivates us to just keep, you know, keep going and trying to do the best we can. How is it for what little time we were actually on TV for those 20 seconds? Oh, sure. How is it working with your dad all the time? It's great, man. It's it's so cool. He's like, not cause he's my dad, but he's like the coolest guy ever. And he's like the show mascot, you know, everybody loves him. He just turned 78 Oh, when I not just turn, he's getting ready to turn seventy nine in in November. But uh, yeah, he's still going, and it's just like it was very. It just it makes me feel so good to be, have been able to, you know, give him that job, and then for him to be standing next to me all the time, him and I harmonizing, you know. Boy, I sure really know cool. about that. I mean, I I was blessed enough to do a lot of gigs with my mom as well who was a brilliant right. jazz pianist and singer. Wow. And I get to work with my brothers and sisters. And there yeah. is nothing like working with your family members. Yeah, no, it, it's amazing. Well, you know what's been great for me is to rekindle our friendship and be able to 
play on some of these Funk Fridays together. Yeah, yeah, it was fun. Thanks for having us, man. I really, really appreciate it. I love yeah, having. I see some of the, thank you for saying yes. Yeah, when I see some of the guys, I'm like, really, you're calling me? Why are you calling me? <laughs> like, see all the guys you get. It's like, well, it's been great. It's been you're fun. a bad dude, man, and it's, no, it's been bad, really <laughs> fun. And you know, one yeah, of the byproducts of, of Funk Friday has been able to to do exactly that, which is get to know each other again musically and say right. hi. And, you know, we get to the age where we're so busy with other things that you got to have a gig to be able to hang out. And even though right, this right, gig exactly. is like one minute long, we still get that banter yeah, back and forth hanging. for that yeah. short amount of time. Totally. I appreciate you and, and Toshi doing that. In fact, you just recorded one. We're taping this show on a Friday, and we got a Funk Friday coming out, right. <laughs> number 81. And But the, it'll be a little bit in the past when this, this particular thing airs, but yeah. thank you that, for doing uh, that. Yeah, yeah. We did that before work. <laughs> oh, did you really? I, I, I dropped my kids off, and I, I literally, all my... I have a sax, a sax here at home, but my cases are at work. So I literally walked up to his, his, uh, I have it right here actually, but I walked up to his door like, Hey man, you ready? <laughs> like, I didn't even have a case. He goes, you have no case. I go, no case. It's at work. I was like, Shit. <laughs> but oh, that- I had to do it that morning. So I just, I put it in my back seat and went over to his pad and we did it. <laughs> oh, that's great. Cleto. Thank you so much, man. For thank taking you for the time having me, man. This. Thank you for having day. me. What an honor to have you, man. It's great to talk to you. I've been a fan of yours for many, many years. So oh, uh, I'm, glad, I'm glad we're getting to know each other better as, as the time goes on. Yeah, my brother. Yeah, your brother. I can't, let's play. In, I will. And let's play in the same room together. Yeah, let's we get do the that. Chance we got to do that. You got it. All right. Well, that'll do it for yeah, us man. for this episode of Music on the Run podcast. Thank you for being a fan. And thank you for uh, uh, listening. And we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Thanks, y'all. Music on the Run was hosted by yours truly, St. Paul Peterson. Edited and produced by my buddy, Davide Razzo. Artist relations by Owen Sartori. Video editing by Tanner Montague. And a very special thanks to the people who financially support this podcast. And remember, love each other. Yeah.